Welcome to Europhile. My name is Kate Walker. And I'm Catherine Rory. Kat, how are you? Oh my gosh, it's Christmas <laughs> week. Yes, it is. I'm doing I mean, this good. won't come out until after, but what's up? Yeah. How are you doing? I'm good. You know, just hanging out at home, eating good meals, mm-hmm. watching more mm-hmm. holiday movies, watched Love mm-hmm. Actually last night. <gasps> That's literally just sums up my life right now. I packaged up a lot of, or wrapped, I should say, Christmas mm-hmm. presents yesterday, including yours. Oh. Um, and yeah, I'm going to be making some deliveries today. I'm going to drop some off to some friends here. And that's about Lovely. it. Lovely. How are oh, you doing? Oh, that's Kate? so nice. Um, good. I'm just waiting on a few last Christmas presents to be mm-hmm. delivered. Yep. Blame you know, the mail. I don't, I don't know where they are. <laughs> <laughs> um, They're lost no, until they just show up on your doorstep, basically. Yeah. But I've started... No, I haven't started rapping. That's a lie. And <laughs> I'll probably maybe do that later. But I don't know. Like, it's been nice having yeah. a more slow week and mm-hmm. just watching Christmas movies. I made my family watch Christmas in Connecticut last night, which they oh, had never darling. seen. I saw that I was on TV. <laughs> I always say, I always, like, this year... <laughs> <laughs> I, I always say that Barbara Stanwyck's fur coat is the best fur coat oh, I have ever I seen. I see it. I don't remember it. It's like, okay, so this is in World War II. You know, this is filmed mm-hmm. in World War II. It's American, so, you know, whatever. I'm not, like, recommending it. Or I do recommend it, but not for, like, Europhile. Mm-hmm. But she's got, like, the 40s shoulders, like, oh, a power sure. shoulder. Yeah. And, yeah, and it's like, she looks like a chic linebacker in that thing. <laughs> Oh my god! It's just perfect. so glam and like uh, cozy and I would huge. Just, I yeah. would love to try something like that on. Yeah, I know. And just feel vintage. How it feels vintage mm-hmm. fur only. Yeah. Yes, of course. She's just so fab. And I watched <laughs> the holiday, and they talk about Barbara, Barbara Stanwyck in the holiday, and they say how she has gumption, and it's oh true. My she god, does have gumption. Yes. But yeah, so. It's my week this week. Yes, it Should is. Should I yes, please. get into it? Yes. It took me a long time to figure out what I wanted to do. I sort of had an idea that I wanted to do Italy, so I told Kat I wanted to do Italy, and I actually I changed my mind. What? Of, no, oh, I didn't ta- change <laughs> the, the country. country. Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> but I changed my topic, so it's still okay. Italy. Okay. Technically, the Vatican. Oh, smallest <laughs> country in the world. Fun yeah. fact. <laughs> <laughs> so, or like, but it is also Italy. So we'll get into that. But actually, it's a very big topic, and I tried to make it as small as I could. But the small little fun details are juicy and kind of matter too so it was kind of hard to like sift through it and right weed it down a little bit so let's see how this goes (laughs) (laughs) i'm very curious okay today we're going to talk about a woman who made the most of her circumstances we're going to talk about lucretia borgia oh my god i just had a little inkling (laughs) Mm mm-hmm 
<laughs> oh my god, great. Okay, because yes. I only know the extent of the Borgia's show, which I yeah. almost recommended today. Okay. But I don't know real life, so please tell me. Okay, so I have watched the Borgias, mm-hmm. and I haven't finished, but I loved Lucretia Bor- Lucrezia? Lucrezia. Lucrezia Borgia in the Borgias. Yes. She was so cute and <gasps> fab, and mm-hmm. yeah, loved her. And you actually felt for her, which I liked, because she has, you know, somewhat of a reputation of being, like, this Scandal. adulterous, murderous, yeah. you know, incest, perhaps, mm-hmm. question mark? <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> okay, so, um, like I said, I was scared to do this because, you know, there's a lot of things going on, a lot of political factors, a lot of chess pieces, Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to try my best, all right? Okay. Uh, Lucrezia Borgia was born April 18th, 1480. So she is an Aries mm-hmm. queen. Yes, we love it. Like Finally, you. an Aries. It's a bunch of Leos on this show, and I need my moments too. <laughs> I know. But fire signs, you know, we love it. Okay. Yes, yes we do. Mm-hmm. Let's get into it. So there was a lot of drama going on in the 14th, 15th, and 16th century. <laughs> Italy. Um, as I don't know if you know this, but Italy wasn't like a unified country. That actually okay. happened even after the United States was unified. Really? Yes. Well, okay. You know, there's westernized history that's recorded of Italy, of mm-hmm. like the city states. Right. Or kingdoms, if you will. It wasn't unified until wow. the 1700s. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. I think it was like a year or two after... The U.S. 1776. Okay. <laughs> Familiar with that year? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and that has a lot to play. There is a lot of chess pieces because of okay. this. Okay. But if there was one family that featured heavily in some of the most violent, and like, there's rumors and all of these stories and like naughtiness of this period, okay. it was the Borgias. Fun. As we know. I just got chills. <laughs> <laughs> and at the center of some of the wildest Borgia stories was our Lucrezia, mm-hmm. the blonde Botticelli angel. Yes, I was going to say angel. She just looks mm-hmm. so pure. Yeah. She was called many things over the years a seductress, a murderess, and a femme fatale. Oh. And she was married three times and she was used to all of her marriages were you know of, for of political course. gain for the borgia mm-hmm. family but as an adult she proved you know on her own that she was a skilled ruler and she was respected by her mm. subjects because okay. she was eventually a duchess Ooh. in her own right so <laughs> A little background on the Borgia family. It's really long, but I'll just try to be <laughs> concise about it. Okay. So um, the Borgias came from Valencia. So actually, the Borgia, B-O-R-G-I-A, is the Italian spelling, but B-O-R-J-A is the original oh. family spelling. Okay, so, so they're Spanish. Or, yes, or Borja or Borgia. So they're from Spain. And so basically there was another pope in their family, Pope Calixus the 3rd, 
and he was elected pope in 1455 so they okay. are already were like this prominent right political family and a lot of the elites in the italian city-states did not like having like a foreigner right. for a pope they did mm-hmm. not like it because where they were from in Valencia, it, it was originally a Moorish kingdom with a large Jewish population. So there was like a lot of anti-Semitism okay. and right. xenophobia that they had to deal with. And they said, you know, never again. But like, LOL, they, you know, there's an, <laughs> Here's another the pope. pope. <laughs> and so in 1492, the College of Cardinals elected... Rodrigo de Borgia to become Pope, and his papal name was Pope Alexander VI. Okay. Where Lucrezia comes in Mm -hmm. is she's the illegitimate daughter of Pope Alexander VI and Venanza de Catani. This is wild. Yes. Absolutely wild that the Pope yeah. has a daughter that and everyone knows about it. Mm-hmm. Really didn't give a fuck. Aren't they supposed to not have sex? I know. <laughs> so I don't know how that works or whatever. I mean, money talks and whatever. But yeah, I, I know that as long as you're not married, they kind of just look yeah. the other way. I mean, the Catholic wow. Church has isn't exactly the pillar for but that's really morality. It's surprising. Yeah, Lucrezia had. A really lovely you know childhood she was really educated and her education was really a priority for the mm. pope because he knew an educated lady would be resourceful and effective for she understands potential marriages mm-hmm. for the borgia power right eventually playing the long game here he is yes, already exactly. <laughs> they knew exactly what they were doing. Mm-hmm. She was fluent in Spanish, Catalan, Italian, French, and she could read Latin. Like right. she was educated. Mm-hmm. The Pope had a lot of illegitimate children. I didn't really get into it, but his three okay. favorite were from Venezia. It was Giovanni, Cesare, and Lucrezia. Okay. And so those are all Cesare. in the Borgia. Yeah. yeah. Oh, che- okay. Can Cesare. we talk about Cesare first? <laughs> That hair that... I... Okay, so in the Borgia show, he is a snack, let Mm -hmm. me tell you. (laughs) Scrumptious little biscotti. (laughs) Yum. I'd like to take a bite of that with a little cafe latte. Yes. (laughs) I get it. I... You know. Mm -hmm. Um, So keep in mind... Cesare, he will be a key player in all of this. Okay. okay? Mm-hmm. He's the second born son. So Lucrezia's first marriage was when she was 13. Oh, dear God. Of course. To Giovanni Sforza. Basically, like, some political things happened with the Kingdom of Naples and France. I won't get into it. It's like a mm-hmm. huge, big thing, you know. So Sforza, Lucrezia's husband supported France's claim to like the kingdom of Naples. There's something about lineage here. God, okay. Whatever. <laughs> but basically the Pope and Sforza basically aren't, mm. you know, Uh-oh. aren't aligned anymore. Aren't politically okay. aligned anymore. 
Mm-hmm. So by 1447, the Borgias were like over this marriage, you know, and right. Lucrezia, having been trained and having this amazing education and really prioritizing the Borgia family and like having that like ingrained into her that this family and everything about it is a priority. Right. She's kind of like siding with the Borgias here. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the marriage was annulled when she was 17. So she was only married for like, what, yeah. four years? Yeah. Yeah. So actually, Lucrezia was a pretty like pious woman. Oh. She retreated to a convent. And while she was in the convent, her f- oldest brother, Giovanni, was stabbed and killed. So here oh. she is trying to like get over her marriage, get over her, you know, she's really sad about her mm-hmm. brother. Because Giovanni is murdered, Cesare, you know, smack, young, yes. love him. <laughs> I mean, do we love him? We love him in the show. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so he was a cardinal at the time. And so the Pope made Cesare abandon being a cardinal, you know, so they could be free to, you know, they're yeah. not bound by like morality quotation marks. Right. right. Like we need you to marry someone basically yeah. we need you to marry someone we need you to do the dirty work for our family mm-hmm. and he didn't care he just <laughs> wanted to be like a libertine and didn't really care about like religion or anything like okay. that so um mm-hmm. whatever was you need dad yeah cool by me <laughs> exactly <laughs> you know they waste no time you know they're trying to find lucrezia another husband right their next suitor for her is mm-hmm. Alfonso of Aragon. So like a fellow Spaniard. Oh, okay. Yeah. During this, okay, this is juicy. Okay. <laughs> so at this time, a baby just, you know, appeared out of thin air. Where did it come from? <laughs> God. <laughs> and like, here's where we get a lot of rumors starting to swirl right. around yes. Lucrezia. Tell me. The papal family acknowledged that the baby belonged to the Borgia yeah. line. They didn't say whose it was. Oh. Scandal. Yeah. Yeah. So the fact that Lucrezia had spent like months out of the public eye and like in a convent and it was rumored mm. that it was her baby possibly with Giovanni Sforza and uh-huh. because of this next thing they were saying that it could be hers and Cesare's oh, or yeah. hers and her dad's oh pope yeah okay so because the pope had issued it's like a papal bull and it basically just is like a notice declaring that the baby is like part of their family. He put out two separate papal bulls and this really didn't help with all of the like rumors of incest. Mm-hmm. So the first one was saying that the child was Cesare's. Oh. And then the second <gasps> oh, one was okay. saying it was his child, like Pope Alexander's child, but the what mother the was never named. It's all rumors and like yeah. speculation. The baby was given the name of Infans Romanus, which just means a child of Rome. So they're saying, like, what, did you just find it on the street? Yeah. Like, I don't know. You know, that's the wow. that's where the rumors of, like, incest came from. Why couldn't they have just said it was her and her old husband? I mean, maybe it was not his. Yeah, I, I know, don't know. I guess. I don't but, know. Oh, yeah, wow. Okay, weird. They were like, fuck, yeah. fuck, 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 what do we do? Mm-hmm. 
I know. <laughs> so Lucrezia and Alfonso were then married in 1498. During this time, Lucrezia was given this title of governor of Spoleto, usually a position held by a cardinal. So like, here she is. Mm-hmm. She's educated, smart. Her dad knows it. He understands yeah. she can handle being a leader. Right. I don't know what the governor of Spoleto does, but <laughs> yeah, we love it. She was put there for a reason. Yeah, exactly. He knew. And mm-hmm. I think I'm sure he knew like she was faithful to the their family and everything yeah. like that. Their so agenda. It was in their political interest of doing that. But, you know, pretty bold. Yeah. In the midst of like all this chaos around her, um, Lucrezia proved to be like a competent leader and administrator. And she also holds other, like I'll talk about it later, but other positions of leadership and she proves to be, you know, competent. Mm-hmm. Of course. You know, we love it. We love to see it. Okay, so on July 15th, 1500, Alfonso, her husband, was attacked on the steps of the Vatican, or St. Peter's at the Vatican, by four heavily armed men. He barely survived and had to be carried inside. The Pope didn't know anything about this. He was shocked. Allegedly? And, or? Uh, well, I don't know. You know, allegedly <laughs> shocked. I don't know. People. I don't know. Yeah, it could be him. It could be, could be anyone, really. I'm sure they didn't have a lot of friends. Basically, Lucrezia just, like, doted on him, you know, never left his side, made all of his meals because she was paranoid. Mm-hmm. With your thought. So on August 18th, mm-hmm. all of her work was in vain because Cesare's chief assassin, Micheletto, burst into the room and strangled the young duke in his <gasps> bed. And that's, Ooh. yeah. Ooh. That's messy. Yikes. Like your own brother-in-law? Yeah. Oh, man. She eventually finds, you know, his corpse, and mm-hmm. they said that you could hear her screams throughout the Vatican. Ooh. Just okay. really sad. Mm-hmm. When Pope Alexander found out about the murder, he was also distraught because he didn't know about it. Oh. And Cesare convinced him it was out of necessity because Alfonso tried to shoot him, allegedly, with a crossbow in the garden, so it was really an act of defense. What? <laughs> <gasps> he sounds like a sociopath. Yeah. Wait, what is Cesare's game? Like, why? You know, why did he really do it? I don't know. Maybe like a wow. megalomaniac, just like an actual sociopath. I don't know. Hmm. Um. So they didn't waste any time again. Yep. And mm-hmm. on to the next one. How old is she now? On to the Twenty next... years old or something, probably. I think so. I think <laughs> you're right. So her third marriage was to Alfonso d'Este, and he was the son and heir of the Duke of Ferrara which is in Italy. Okay. And so this match was, like, deemed the most advantageous. Ooh, well done, Lucrezia. (laughs) She was not happy about it, really. She was like, all of my husbands have met untimely ends, Mm -hmm. and why, basically, why am I getting excited about something? Yeah. You know, she's over it. And she thinks she's cursed at this point. This guy coming in going to be the third husband? That'd be scary. I'd be yeah. scared. <laughs> I know, me too. I'd be like, I don't know. I don't yeah. like these chances. She's really. <laughs> not that pretty. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, I didn't say how beautiful she was. She apparently had this like trubic. She was very uh, fair. Um, yeah. And long blonde hair, pale. 
past her waist to her thighs. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So before she had willingly participated in the Borgia's political maneuvers. Okay. Now she sees how toxic this shit is. Mm-hmm. She's like, okay. I just don't want it. And right. they made her leave her two-year-old son, you know, the yeah. Infants Romanus, who mm-hmm. his name is now Rodrigo. She had to leave him at the Vatican while she got married to Alfonso. It was really devastating for her to leave her son. Mm-hmm. Had she been a man, you know, she probably would have been able to bring him because, you know, technically he didn't have a father that claimed him or whatever. Right. So she couldn't bring him oh. for, like, her marriage. Okay. Yeah, so, like, the Borgias, they kind of wanted her to seem, like, untethered by anything. Okay. And, you know, not having, like, a past, even though she was already married twice, and that was pretty, like, common knowledge. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's, like, this double-edged sword, you know. Now she looks like a bad mom. Oh, my God. And that's, like, held over her. And she Can't seems, like, break. monstrously unmaternal. So, yeah, so she tried to stay as involved in his life as she could, and she sent him, like, letters and gifts, and she made, you know, took care of his education, like, did basically all she could do being a woman at that time. Right. And sadly, he died at the age of 12 from a fever. Oh, God, I was going to say, what happens to him? Because I I just had a bad feeling. I thought it was going to be at the hands of Cesare or something. I don't know. Yeah, but she, again, retreated to a convent Mm -hmm. to grieve in private and so now is when she becomes like really really deepening her ties to religion like she's becoming more moral we should Mm -hmm. say on her journey to ferrara because she can't take her son Mm -hmm. um her journey was took like three times longer because she kept asking to wash her hair what i don't know i guess apparently it was very dirty on the you know, the trip. Okay. And I don't know how they transported her if she was on horseback or in, like, a carriage or something, but she cleaned her hair or, like, washed her hair every three days with a boiled mixture of vine stock ashes, mirror, scrapings of horse hooves, and other assorted ingredients. And it was, like, very time-consuming. Ick. I think because she had to leave her son. She became way more, like, solitary and, like, sad okay. about it. Yeah. So I think it was kind of, like, her way of, like, controlling yeah. something. You know? And... I don't know. Wow. I feel for yeah. her, though. I wonder who put that mixture together. Horse scrapings? <laughs> what? Why? Your hair is blonde. I can't imagine that'd be, like, very luminizing. <laughs> I don't know. Some crushed pearls, I could understand. Right? Yeah. (laughs) So something positive happened out of this. So Alfonso Deste, her fiancé at the time. Oh, okay. uh, Yes. So surprised her by meeting the convoy in the city of Bologna. And he bursts into his future wife's room while she was combing her damp hair, Mm -hmm. barely dressed in a muslin gown. This romantic gesture delighted Lucrezia, and he was also surprised because he was, like, immediately attracted to his future wife. So, yay! Some (laughs) happiness. Love it. Like, 
Yay. <laughs> Through this marriage, Lucrezia became, I don't really know how many times she became pregnant, but it was a lot. Let me okay. tell you. Okay. <laughs> I would venture to guess like 10 times. Oh, man. But she always had really hard pregnancies. She had seizures. <gasps> Like bloodletting, like fevers. Uh, she had miserable. a bunch of like, I know, poor honey. She had several stillborn births and mm. she gave birth to children. They would, you know, die within like a few yeah. months and uh. just had a really hard time with it. She had one birth where she was, she became so ill that she tried to feel her own pulse and she couldn't find it. And she said, oh good, I'm dead. <laughs> Oh my, yeah. How miserable would it be I to know. go through this time after time? I know. I so cannot it got, fathom. Yeah. So it got so bad with like the seizures and everything that Cesare came to visit her. So it was sort of unusual that Cesare, you know, he wasn't really perceived as this like warm and fuzzy type. He was mm-hmm. very close to Lucrezia and, you know, being illegitimate siblings and their older brother died. I think they became, you know, right. clo- as close as you could be at that time. Mm-hmm. Cesare had this reputation that even Machiavelli, who happened to like sort of be on the scene at that time, was mm-hmm. impressed. And it was said that Cesare was a major inspiration for Machiavelli's The Prince. Oh, oh Isn't my that God. juicy? Yeah. Yeah. Because he was like this scheming, conniving, you know, mm-hmm. mastermind. Mm. Yeah. Or, or is heartless, he, uh, maybe, except for Lucrezia. Heartless. Yeah, she was like his one soft spot. Mm-hmm. So as Cesare's powers waxed, at the height of his power, I should say, Lucrezia embarked on an affair with a poet, Pietro <gasps> Bembo. Ooh. You know, she needs some. Some happiness. Yes. Like, I don't think she was unhappy with her husband. I just think mm-hmm. she needed something like a thrill. And, you know, he was nothing to scoff at either, the poet. He was a linguist and also a, eventually became a cardinal. So he was like a pretty prominent okay. figure in the society, He's not too. a stable boy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Which happened Which in the show, right? She, okay, so there is a rumor that she, when she was much younger in her first marriage, there is a rumor that her first son mm. was fathered by the stable boy, okay. too. So there's just all these rumors. I don't know. You know, whatever. Another cutie in the show. Oh. Yes. Oh, yeah, I know. So Alfonso d'Este, Lucrezia's husband, is sort of like an eccentric, right? So he's like visiting brothels, like he wasn't really a paragon of fidelity. And you Mm -hmm. know, she was wanting an artist bad boy to have an affair with. You know, who who doesn't like like a tortured poet soul? Mm -hmm. You know, it's probably probably pretty hot. (laughs) good for her she deserves it in the summer of 1503 while like these romantic tensions in ferrara were like happening Mm -hmm. she was having her moment in the sun with this this poet Mm -hmm. alexander had his like 11th anniversary of him being pope Mm -hmm. the next day him and cesare came down with this illness that caused vomiting and high fevers. And Uh-oh. for a while, it seemed like everything would be okay. But, you know, everything took a turn for the worse on mm-hmm. the 18th. And Pope Alexander passed away. 
<gasps> was it poison? Do we think? Yeah, maybe it could have been poison. Could have been. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Who who knows if these records are like very good? You know. I feel like none of these people died of natural causes. I just assumed that they were all murdered. <laughs> I know. The Pope's last words were, "I come. It is right. Wait a moment." And he passes away. Okay. So the funeral was, you know, an abject disaster. You know, it's August in Italy. It is. Ugh. Fucking hot. Mm-hmm. So the heat causes bloating and putrefying of <gasps> Alexander's body to Ew. the point of where it couldn't fit in his coffin. <gasps> the attendants had to roll it up, roll him up in a carpet and put him oh. in like <gasps> another coffin. Yeah. Oh my god, the Pope. Or like a box. They're just yeah, rolling him up and shoving him in. <laughs> I know. Oh, that's like, Gross. People have been dying for a lot of years. Like, how did you not know, like, the heat? Like, yeah. wouldn't you, like, preemptively, like, really be quick he, about yeah. it? I Is don't he, know. He's the first person to die in Rome in, in August. August. Doubt it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Cesare is still recovering from this illness or poisoning or whatever the hell it is and he learns of his father's death and you know what that means they don't have a lot of friends and so he's like fuck barely able to stand he has to like get out of there yeah he sent his troops to control the new conclave and he basically like forced an election of a man who they like knew would support him okay and a new pope Unfortunately for Cesare, like Pope Pius, he had the shortest pontificates in history, just 26 days. I don't know if he died or anything. Oh my God. I don't know what happened. Oh, basically, Jesus. Cesare is like, once again. Basically, it lasted 26 days. So, you know, after that shit hits the fan, his father's mortal enemy, Giuliano della Robere, was elected Pope. Oh, you know? No. And Lucrezia is in like the middle of another miscarriage and then Uh Cesare gets imprisoned. Like, it's just a fucking mess. Oh no. Yeah. You know, at this time, Cesare is like still imprisoned. Lucrezia, her life is like gonna be turned upside down. She's this poor woman, you know? Yeah. Seriously. So her husband's brother, who was Duke at the time, he dies. (laughs) So now her husband becomes Duke. Okay. And she becomes a duchess. Right. You know, love that for her. You know, she becomes pregnant again. This is great. I'm carrying my husband's heir. Everything's good. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, Uh-oh. Is it? I don't know. Cesare escapes from prison. He basically, like, gets caught again and is put, like, another more high-security security. prison. And here she is trying to, like, write to the new pope even though they were excommunicated because they were, like, Borgias. Yeah. She's trying to get him to, like, release her brother. And in Ferrara, there's an outbreak of a plague and a drought really affected crops. So they're, like, not fucking doing great, you know? And she suffers another miscarriage. Like, it's just awful. Yeah. (laughs) Her husband blames that she had too much time carousing during carnival season and he's like blaming it on her this miscarriage oh come on yeah cesare escapes again from prison you know Jeez. who is guarding these Slippery prisons i don't know little i know <laughs> yeah i know Just and disappears. you know he stay hidden now gets stabbed 
and stripped oh. and is left alone to die. And Lucrezia finds out like a month after his death. And she says, the more I try to please God, the more he tries me. So she's like trying to be a really good Catholic yeah. and pious. And she just keeps getting tried, you know, mm-hmm. Ugh. really sad. Yeah. She cannot catch a fucking break. She yeah. really can't. There she is, shuts herself off from the world, goes to a convent again. She's has all these rumors swirling around her, like she's cursed, you know, with mm-hmm. her first two husbands and all these miscarriages. Her family yeah. has, like, her brothers and her dad. Yeah. And she learns that her, like, mother has died. And she wasn't, like, particularly close to her mother, but, like, she was still, like, all of this happening, like, yeah. essentially at the same time. Like, it's yeah. just a lot. Lucrezia eventually becomes pregnant again. And she was able to have a healthy son. Okay. But even that, like, really didn't pull her out of, like, her, like, funk, you know? Like, her, like, spiral. Mm -hmm. Like, she she was having an affair with this man, Francesco Gonzaga, and he put an end to it because he he got syphilis. (laughs) So, and he was... Her husband's brother-in-law. So. Oh, <gasps> yeah, uh-uh. too so messy. Just, yeah, it's very fucking messy. And but like she like didn't care. She was like, I this is my like she one happiness. Feel... Yeah, yeah. And she's like, I don't even care if my husband intercepts these letters. I mm-hmm. want it, but he refused to see her on account that his syphilis was flaring up. Which oh. you know, I guess is nice. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Let's not give Lucrezia syphilis and another fucking horrible thing to happen to her. I don't know. <laughs> this is really messy, and I'm not going to really, like, get into it. But, like, the Italian war starts, and it's, like, Charles VIII is trying to, like, lay claims to, I think it's the kingdom of Naples. Okay. I won't get into it, but it's been going on for 15 years, and Alfonso was basically, like, just, like, dipped and left her husband. Oh. This is when Lucrezia steps in and is head bitch in charge. She is leading. She is proving to be, like, a competent administrator. When the men men can't take it. mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. she comes. The people, they liked her for this. They, like, respected her. And so this is when she sort of, like, puts all of her know-how from when she was the governor of Spoleto into practice for, like... Mm -hmm. A nice cause like it wasn't like just her family's like political ambitions it was like we are fucked and we need someone to step in like figure out what's going on so here she is doing it (laughs) love it and like Alfonso comes back and you know he's also like a competent like soldier and tactician so they were very like respected This is a fun little aside of something that happened. So during this time, Pope Julius was Pope. (laughs) And Alfonso managed to get a statue that Michelangelo had made of him. Uh He melted it down, which I don't know, what was it made out of? Like, just Mm. marble? Can you melt marble? I have no idea. But maybe, maybe, yeah. He melted it down except for the head, forged it into a canon called La Julia. So like Julius and uh-huh. then La Julia. So except for the head, he left the head and then he put it on a pike. 
What a good fuck you. Whoa. I love that. Yeah. I love that little like <laughs> juicy. Okay, so back to our Lucrezia. She had one final pregnancy. You know, she was barely able to eat and her doctors had to like break her water and like induce labor. Mm-hmm. She gave birth to a daughter and Alfonso was like rushed to get her baptized because, you know, she did not survive and it was just oh. really sad. Her health declined and she began having seizures again blood poured from her nose like what was what the fuck was happening back then i don't know the doctors cut off all of her long blonde hair and she just continued to worsen she wrote a letter to pope leo the 10th and asked him to pray for her even though she was like still excommunicated you know she had seizures for two days and then just after her 39th birthday she died Oh my god. So then Alfonso, her husband, had barely left her side. It's sad, but he called her his sweet dear companion. In another letter, he said that he was left in the greatest imaginable anguish. And so, like, what had started as this political match turned into, like, a loving and, like, caring marriage eventually. Yeah, respectful. Yeah, exactly. like they both respected each other. Yeah, like a power couple, but... Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. It's, like, Lucrezia is, like, you know, she had this really hard hand dealt to her in her life, but she was really, despite these things, she was respected in her lifetime by her, like, fathers and brothers and, like, even her husband Mm -hmm. for, like, her, like, political acumen and, like, even her, like, administration and abilities and, like, they just knew she was smart and Mm. instead of, like, hindering that, they really let her, you know, run with that. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. Her reputation is like this incestuous, you know, right. man poisoning, yeah, like man eater, adulteress, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I, I think yeah. that's unfair. But yeah, ooh, mm-hmm. I like her because that that was my impression. Absolutely, mm-hmm. I had mm-hmm. no idea about. I mean, I, I'm I, sure life hardens you, right? But yeah. I mean, you get married at 13, mm-hmm. and you're like, he loves me, or whatever. I don't know. But yeah, and and she's then just... you sort of become like tired and you're yeah. just like over it she was just a, like a Being rich smart girl yeah who probably thought she was doing ruling everything herself but really it was just all these guys around her upon, yeah yeah mm-hmm. until she grew up uh-huh. wow that That's was very good thank you kate that was so i'm sorry that was juicy. very long but i felt like i should do her justice you know yeah Oh, yeah, I'm glad you did. Um, Do you mind if we dive into my Italian topic today? Oh, (laughs) certo. So I'm going to be telling you a little bit about the history of the aperitivo. Because we all love a bean cocktail. (laughs) Mm. And Mm. it was... Okay. Go ahead. Cat, Uh what is your favorite... Italian cocktail. I was going to ask you this later on. Oh, you know what mine is. Let's cut to it. Should we save it? Okay. Oh, it's Aperol Spritz. Obviously. Aperol Spritz. Oh, my God. Nothing compares. Does anything make you happier? (sighs) Nothing. Nothing makes me happier. Absolutely not. It is the perfect drink. Absolutely perfect. Because it's bitter and sweet and bubble Mm -hmm. refreshing. And fun. 
Yeah. Oh, it's so fun. And like the state it's, of mind that you're in when you drink an yeah, apple cider. It doesn't matter where you, you are. Ideally, mm-hmm. you are in France or Italy. I've never mm-hmm. been to Italy, but I drink a lot of them mm-hmm. in France. But you know, you could be anywhere. And it's just mm-hmm. a little escape. So I have a little quote here from the article that I got some of this information okay. from. That aperitivo is joyous and mood lifting. Couldn't agree more. <gasps> It relaxes mm. you after a day of work and prepares you for the night to come. Mm-hmm. It's the marker of the end of your professional day and the start of your personal day. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was mm-hmm. fun. So it was actually around during the Roman Empire and was a common practice for the wealthy or the elite. And back mm-hmm. then it was called gustatio, which roughly translates to a tasting. So mm, the aim of these gustachio events were to get people to socialize and mingle before banquets and snacks and drinks were often served and the typical drink for this was called molsum which I've never okay. heard of don't know if it still is a thing anymore and okay. it was a highly alcoholic wine mixed with honey and spices yum um, I know and I would like that it was really common for the Romans to add honey to their wine. And, you know, I mean, I mean I'm honey. on board yes. with that. Put honey in anything. <laughs> anything. And I'm Just here. Just pour it in it my elevates mouth. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and typical foods served during these tastings were mm-hmm. flatbreads that were similar to focaccia with sauces and cheese. And I was like, is that? Mm. Precursor to pizza, maybe? Oh, okay. Cute. Um, yes. Fruits and crudite because they're all about health. Yum. And, you know, balance. Oh, yes. Even back mm. then. Love it. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and we know about these specific foods that were served during this time because I have never heard of this person. Okay. It was written about in a cookbook from 900 AD called Epicius which is believed okay. to be written by Marcus Gavius Apicius, who was a known lover of luxury and a gourmet. Oh. I know. Oh, we Look, love what him. a fun guy. Yeah. And it literally was a cookbook. It talked about food served during these tastings. It had mm-hmm. a meat section, vegetable section, legumes, poultry, and seafood sections. How fun. Oh, I love that. I wonder where we can find a copy of that. Right. I mean, I think they knew it existed back then, but I don't think anything mm. exists that's that old. But there have been oh, okay. since then that are still very, mm. very old. Okay. So I just thought that was a little... Love that. Aside. But um, mm-hmm. so as I said, it was something for the wealthy and it kind of fell out of fashion in the Middle Ages. But in Turin in 1786, we have Antonio Benedetto Carpano, and he created vermouth, which was Moscato, which I didn't know really that it was made from Moscato, and 30 aromatic herbs and spices. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a martini last night with Ooh, vermouth yes. in it. Which, what kind? Is it sweet, sweet or dry? I think dry goes in I don't know. I didn't make it. (laughs) How was it? Delish? It was delicious. I I spilled it all over myself. (laughs) (laughs) I I hate martini glasses. They're just kind of like sloshing Yes, they're prone to tip over. I know. It also really didn't help that I was kind of 
like laying down but <laughs> i was trying to watch a movie <laughs> <laughs> um so this vermouth was boom immediate success because it was mm-hmm. affordable new scrumptious have you ever had like a sippable vermouth like i really no. want to try like it doesn't smell very good but they're not the same thing it's not the same thing as like a martini vermouth oh, and then there's like oh, vermouth like spanish vermouth you, where you okay. just put over ice or whatever i would like to try it no. um because of all of the herbs and spices it was known as a heartwarming drink especially because turin it is freaking cold in the alps oh yeah in winter and they're and like ski. Mm, that's a little affordable delicious heartwarming aromatic drink Mm-hmm. And people would start to sip it before dinner as a way to like warm up and relax before your mm-hmm. meal. Somehow during this time, gustachio became known as aperitivo, which stems from Latin aperir, which means to begin or to open. Perfect. Yes. Cute. At the beginning of the 20th century now, soda water becomes a thing so now we have mm, thank god for that i know i know <laughs> what so, would your life be without like a little bubble oh uh, just depressing i don't want to live simply depressing <laughs> 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 a little simpel what is life without simpel <laughs> i know so aperol was created in 1919 <laughs> this is funny. It was marketed as a drink for athletic types to stay yes. lean and fit. Hell yes. Oh. <laughs> I'm very lean because so I drink Aperol. <laughs> a picture of health. Yes, we absolutely are. So Aperol meets soda water and the Aperol spritz was born. Mm-hmm. A couple mm-hmm. years later, Campari was created. So Campari mm-hmm. spritz, Negroni. Do you like Campari? I do. I prefer Aperol. I mean, I love a Negroni. Mm-hmm. Okay. It doesn't compare. It's. I mean, it's just so mm-hmm. boozy compared yeah. to an Aperol, but I like it. Do you? I feel like it's, like, almost too bitter for me, but I almost feel like Campari is, like, I need a little... I need something with, like, a fizz. Like, that needs a fizz for me. And I don't... Does that yeah. exist? I don't know. Campari spritz exists. Oh, does exist? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I see something in my future. <laughs> Possibly in two hours. <laughs> So, I looked this up a long time ago, but I'm pretty sure that Campari and Aperol are made of the same ingredients. Mm. They're very similar. They look similar. Yeah. Yeah. But Campari is just more concentrated or like a stronger version of Aperol. I'm sure people are saying, you know, Catherine, you're wrong. You're so wrong. But that was my understanding because they are very similar. Campari is just is stronger. Aperol is the only time where I'm like, give me Red Lake number five. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. And I don't care. I want to see that, you know, sunset in the glass. Yes. Yeah. And the you know. syrup, the texture, I the, t- it's so oh, syrupy. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Delicious. Waves of syrup dispersed amongst my Prosecco and soda. Oh. <laughs> Just effervescently. Oh. Huh. Giving happiness. Okay, so to wrap it up, Italians never drink something like a Campari soda, Negroni, Aperol spritz on a night out. It is strictly Mm. aperitivo drinks. Yes. Um, What's your guess? 
I wouldn't be at a bar at midnight and ask for an Aperol spritz. So I can understand that. That's like a. What would you ask for? A bar at Vodka midnight. soda. Yeah. A tequila soda. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the la- I'm going to tell you about a few popular aperitifs in Italy. Some of them I've never heard of. So we have the Perlo, P-I-R-L-O, which is white wine, Campari or Aperol, and soda water. So similar mm-hmm. to an Aperol spritz, but not it's not Prosecco, it's white wine. Would try it. Perlo. Okay. We just have a plain spritz, you know, what we Americans would call a spritzer, a white wine spritzer. <laughs> okay. Just, you and that's so like sex in the city to me, like Charlotte, yeah. like waspy, Upper East Side. I think I have drank a spritzer sometime in the last couple years. I almost feel like you would only do that if it was like a Moscato and like sickly sweet where you need to like dilute it or whatever. But like, why would you dilute a lovely Chenin Blanc or like Sancerre or something? Well, God, I would never. I don't think anyone. If you're a monster, you dilute a Sancerre. If someone did that, it's clearly because they don't know what they're doing. I don't understand a white wine spritzer. Like, what wine do you use? You know, what do you use? I don't love white wine in general. Basically, unless it's Sancerre, I don't care for it. I mean, natural wine is different, but regular wine, it will taste better to me if I put in... You know, Mm. if I had just some sparkling water on handy, which we we Mm. always do, I would just put some in there and I would Mm. probably enjoy it more but anyway okay back to popular ones we have the Rossini which is mashed strawberries and Prosecco oh my god yum really delicious we have the Bellini which I didn't really know you know I just think it's like peach nectar Mm -hmm. I just assumed it was peach nectar and Prosecco it's whipped peach, raspberries, lemon, and prosecco. Like, oh, didn't know that. Can you? I like whatever's imagine? in that. Oh, my mouth mm-hmm. is watering thinking about that. I had a that's Bellini probably in a Venice. really nice, you know, yeah. a nice restaurant concoction. Yeah, you had one in Venice, and was it impeccable? Yeah, it was, and it was the only thing. Like. We were so poor. When I tell you we were so poor, we traveled with cans of tuna. I'm not <laughs> kidding. So that was like the one concession, like one fun yeah. thing that we did. Uh, money yeah. well spent. Good choice. It was. It was, yeah. And then the last one, which we have, as we know, the Negroni, which is Campari, Vermouth, and Gin. This is a bit weird for Italians to drink during aperitivo because it's a bit strong for an empty stomach. Yeah, yeah. It's not a classic choice. So I think because in the Negroni, it's Campari and Vermouth, maybe it's somehow that's why it like snuck its way into this collection of drinks. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, oh, the last thing. Do you remember getting enraged about this last year when <laughs> the New York Times came out with an article that said <gasps> yes! the Aperol Spritz is not a good drink? Yes. It was the rudest piece of journalism yeah to ever happen in the history of the world yeah so so insane because it's seriously the perfect drink i don't understand someone yeah. just wanted it's to like, be wow contrary. i guess you just love to be a hater and don't yes. enjoy life but have yep. fun yeah great 
good luck with that. I never want to think about that article ever again, but I have miserable life. (laughs) I know. Anyway, so that was just the history of Aperitivo that we adore so much. We we did do Aperitivo when we were in Rome. Mm, Little snacks. Buy a drink drink ticket. And there was this place that did like a whole spread. Oh, oh my God, stop. But anyway, we can move on to whatever you have to recommend me. Okay, yes, I do. Okay, so I literally just ordered this the other day and I got it because my skin has been kind of, with the mask wearing, I get like dermatitis around my nose and I am in hell. Mm -hmm. And so I got this mask from Bioderma. Oh, nice. And it's called the Soothing Mask for Sensitive and Tolerant Skin. It's like Sensibio mask. And... (gasps) Lovely, I see. It's basically just like a moisturizer, but it like really helps. Oh, good. If you have like really irritated, Mm. angry skin like mine... The French know Perfect. what they're doing. Great. I'm glad you yeah. found something. Yeah, I know. I don't think it's like a solution. It's you know, It's something. Yeah, yeah, I know. Sorry, that was not okay. a glowing thing. I'm just like kind of pissed that it, like this is happening to me. But yeah. yeah. Well, you're not the only one, I'm sure. So I'm glad yeah. you recommended. I, as you know, Kate, I have been devouring this <laughs> podcast called Revisiting for the past week. Oh my God, week. it's so fun. Mm. Oh my God. I literally cannot stop listening. I have, I'm already on season three and there are six, mm. so I'm, I've made it halfway through in a week. Mm. And it's this these two girls, I think they're like mid to late 20s now, but they're going mm. back in time. And one of them kept a diary from age 13 to maybe, I don't know, up until university, through university or something. Mm. I don't know how long it goes. That's quite impressive. Very impressive. That's always my New Year's resolution is to keep a diary. Mm. And I have sometimes, and it's really fun to look back, Mm. but nowhere near to the extent that this girl is. And Mm. so it is just so funny. It's so British. And Mm. it's just, I mean, because we're in the same age group, I can Mm. understand, you know, they're talking about MySpace and all this this stuff that I experienced too. And they're just so funny. It's really, really hilarious. So if anyone You turned me on to a little... A little bit and yeah. I'm not as far as you but I definitely want to keep listening it's yeah. just so you picture yourself and you're yes. like Ooh, wow yeah. yes <laughs> and I laugh every time they talk about a hot guy because she writes she's like oh he's so hot I was like fool <laughs> just all these Britishisms that are like oh fool he is so lush <laughs> And it makes me laugh every time. It's, it's really cute. All of the slang is top notch. If you're an Anglophile, it's really good. Yeah. So yeah, I highly recommend that podcast. And oh, oh, before we, uh-huh. I give you the word of the day, everyone. I just okay. wanted to give a reminder to everyone that if you have a story to share, please yes. Send it to us. You can email us. You can send it to us on Instagram. Yeah, send me a voice note. Anything. If you have two minutes, please go to Apple Podcasts. Give us five Mm -hmm. stars. Give give us a review. It Mm -hmm. anything helps. Please share with your friends. Write a review. That would be lovely. Yes, it really would mean so much to us if you did that. In the world. Mm -hmm. And thank you for listening and tuning in every week. And finally, I can share my word of the day. Okay.
Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I've been really struggling with this. The word of the day is kakurone, and it mm -hmm. means chatterbox. <laughs> Someone oh. who just won't stop talking, kakurone. <laughs> That's so cute. It, it kind of sounds like pasta. Doesn't yeah, it? A, a pasta shape. <laughs> a pasta shape. Yeah. Little kekirone. <laughs> Love that. With the hand gestures and everything. Yeah. I can't say it without having a hand gesture. Kekirone. And you and my voice completely changes. Like kekirone. Kekirone. <laughs> I can't talk in my normal voice if I'm no. saying something in Italian. It's impossible. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. That's so cute. I love yeah. Italian. And thank you so much for that wonderful topic. I need to rewatch that show immediately. Yeah, I highly recommend that show. And I appreciate like, it her. Obviously, so much more. deviates. Yeah, it's from a reality sexy and everything and takes, piece. you know, liberties. Mm -hmm. But Juicy Cesare is a fucking snack, and you should watch it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks again, everyone, for tuning in. And Thank you so we'll much. Catch you next week. Ciao. Ciao.